0: Independent, expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, hello. My name is Joe Armstrong, and you are listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Leslie Stevens... Leslie Stevens has one of those voices. It's a perfectly engaging throwback to Patsy Cline and the golden age of Nashville's musical matriarchy. It's the kind of voice that sounds good singing anything, and she's a natural with a melody. But the thing that keeps people coming back to Stevens is her songwriting. In conversation, when she's not giving a quick-witted running comedic commentary of the world we all share, Stevens can be almost quiet, ask her about herself, and her sentences get shorter still. But when the topic of the art and avocation of songwriting comes up, Stevens lights up like a firefly, and for good reason, because behind all that elegant vocal phrasing is a powerhouse songwriter who has been known to teach advanced songwriting classes at Los Angeles College of Music. She's amassed quite a resume over the past few years, including two albums with the backup band She Calls the Badgers, lending her voice to projects with Brian Wilson, Father John Misty, and Jonathan Wilson, several placements in television and movies, as well as a new album due in 2018. Welcome to Independence Day, Leslie Stevens. Hey, Leslie. How are you?
1: I'm well. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm great. Thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Seen you play around town a few times, but it's a pleasure to finally make your acquaintance. Uh, Your name draws some water around town. Like you've been around for a few years, and you've you've made some. You've played with some pretty well-known folks. You're fairly well-known yourself. Uh, Very talented. Thank you. Uh, The voice, you know, front and center is like the first thing that you do. It's a very kind of Patsy kleine torch and twang thing. But coming from where you come from, you know, you're from the St. Louis area. Yes. In beautiful Missouri. And where did this style of music come from in your life? It's,
1: uh, uh, my mom's mom. So my maternal grandmother's from Oklahoma.
0: Ah, uh,
2: okay.
1: And uh, spending time with her and her my grandfather. Uh, they were. They really loved country music and cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just as a symbol of um, being who you are and authenticity, and just like the truth uh, of, I don't know, the the truth of like being in the world. Yeah, if that makes sense. If that no, doesn't totally. sound too like crazy off the bat, but in
0: our culture. You know, especially from, like, we're Middle West, where I grew yeah. up in the Midwest, too. It's like, so we're kind of partly the way there. We're not Eastern, not Eastern seaboard. So, you know, past, I used to say, you know, my high school was in the western part of a western suburb of Chicago. And there was, back then, there was nothing west of us until the Rocky Mountains. So, even though you still have to cross the Great Plains to get there, you're, there was a connection to that. And it's deep in our culture, like that westward expansion, you know, westward the wagons, and off you go. and Yeah. And, my, go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: My great-grandmother... My mom's mom's mom was um, in a covered wagon, Yeah, in a wagon train. And they would sew the money yeah. into the hems of the kids' skirts because the when they were raided right. by Native Americans, they wouldn't...
0: Or by other malcontents. Yes. The West was a wild place. The There are so many stories. One of my favorite details about that period in American history is people, when they would move West, would burn down their house. Like they'd get all their stuff out, and they would burn down their houses to get the nails. Because nails were handmade at that time. You know, it wasn't like you could go to Home Depot and buy a box of them for $3. Like that was the most valuable thing. So they would burn down the whole house, wait for it to cool, and sift through all the ashes to find and then collect all the nails and then schlep those out west to build the new house. There's a metaphor there somewhere. Great for songwriting. I haven't, I've been trying to write that into a song for a long time and I haven't figured it out. So maybe now I you can love take that. it.
1: I've been trying cool to write it. write that part about my great grandmother's hems of her skirts as a five year old with the money in it forever.
0: Yeah, I like that too.
1: But it's hard, you know. It's hard to make it not sound like kind of like manifest destiny racist, you know, like yeah. against <laughs> <the> Native
0: people. <laughs> well, but the, there were other malcontents too. I mean, there were other highwaymen but and robbers. As you said, I, I,
1: yeah, hey, a...
0: you know, the, there are thieves in every culture. You know, uh, so it's not like you have to write that particular aspect into it. I mean, that's an aspect, too. But, you know, there's a million ways you could go with it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So now tell me this. Uh, Growing up where you did, St. Louis area, you know, now you're a musician. Yeah. um, What was your dream? Was it music growing up, or was there something else?
1: I I don't, I didn't really have a dream uh, in that regard. I I came from a family that um, was big on Um, you know, you work hard, you get places, someday you're going to have a job and you're getting...
0: Middle class kind of stuff?
1: I did write songs as a kid. Okay. And so I sort of fell backwards into being a performer Uh because I, I did, I did write songs, but I, it was never, it was never like my, my parents would never see me writing song see me writing songs and say, oh, that's something you can do as a career someday. Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny, like in my family, it, it wasn't, I didn't meet any resistance at all for being an artist until it was like my extended family. Like I was very supported by my initial family, as crazy as, crazy as an idea as it was to like want to be like Mr. Rock and Roll star.
1: Right.
0: You know, we were just talking about Tom Petty a few minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, the late, great, you know, Tom Petty, the North Star of my musical world. Uh, the idea that that was a viable choice that you could do and make a living at just wasn't really a reality. It wasn't discouraged. I mean, I guess it was kind of encouraged. Like I I just, you know, my parents told me I could be whatever I wanted to be, Yeah. you know, and in that regard, like my siblings and I, like we all just went off and did our thing in the yeah. end world. Um, but I mean, some people, it's really discouraged. I mean, Tom Petty is a perfect example of that. Yeah, you know, yeah. his parents told him like, you could never be a musician. You can yeah. never be an artist. I think his dad was kind of a jerk. So, like, it was rebelling against that that gave him, and other other famous artists have got that, too, you know, something to kind of push against, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, they've supported me in recent years.
0: You know, and I don't want to give the wrong idea. Like, I'm not trying to, like, implicate your parents that they were like, no, no, you can never do this, but it's just something, an idea that, like, maybe didn't occur to anybody.
1: Well, that's definitely what was happening. Yeah. They didn't want me to do it. They yeah. Didn't, they didn't see any
0: point. Has that changed at all now that you've got some success at it?
1: Uh... I don't really even know. I've just had to sort of ignore it. (laughs) It's a good plan. I mean, they've been supportive. They've come to shows, and
0: it's interesting. I mean, parents have all kinds of ideas of what they want their children to like do and be, you know. Uh, And I think a lot of times, like they're imprinting upon their children the things that they feel like they themselves did not accomplish. Or the things that they didn't succeed at Or things they wanted to succeed at and then didn't So it's like, then all of a sudden like Now that's where the therapy comes in for us And our generation is they kind of load all those things on it Or on us, and then we have to kind of sort it all out Anyway, my name's Joe Armstrong This is the Independence Day Podcast I'm sitting with Leslie Stevens, Los Angeles-based Would you call yourself a country artist? Sure Sure? Close enough?
1: Yeah, I definitely have a lot of country influence in what I do
0: Yeah, and the so the voice being kind of front and center uh, did you because you also play guitar and you write songs, and most people have to have an instrument to write songs? Did you learn an instrument to support your voice or was it something on its own?
1: I always loved writing songs. I used to play piano, so I started to learn guitar so that I could play yeah songs and accompany myself with something that was portable.
0: yeah, it's definitely you know you can it's you can do it on a piano, you know, and you yeah. can travel around with a keyboard now people who like travel with like an electronic keyboard doesn't have like the romance of a piano. You know, Ben Folds? Yeah. of the Ben Folds 5. His whole thing when he was young, like they were hell bent on taking an actual piano to all their shows. So they would tour like at the van level when they were grinding it out in the, in the 90s, early 90s, whenever that was. They were grinding it out in a van. And there were times, you know, you've been on tour, right? So yeah. you know, like sometimes your load in is up three, like two long flights of stairs. And they would take the. It was they would slap this piano everywhere.
1: That's a workout. That's a workout. It's
0: much easier for us guitar players.
1: I've I've moved pianos downstairs, and you can. It's it's dangerous business. You could kill somebody. Yeah, you have to know what you're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah. You learn a lot about leverage and physics. Don't you? I did. I mean, moving that kind of stuff that's that heavy. Anyway, all right. So let's hear a song from what's your most recent record which is called, where do I have this here? The I've
1: got Donkey here. and the Rose. Yeah, The
0: Donkey and the Rose. And the song we've selected for people to hear so that if they want to go buy the record, which I encourage them to do so, is the song On the Levee, correct?
1: Yeah. Tell me Levee. just a little
0: bit about this and we'll hear it.
1: This is a song that I wrote uh, thinking about the city of New Orleans.
0: I love the city of New Orleans. Before or after the flood? Or was it kind of tied into that?
1: It was after the flood and just thinking about what it must have been like to be there and to be a part of that city and to want to see it move on and to, you know, continue and survive. Because there was, I think there's no doubt in anyone's mind now that that city is, you know, vibrant and flourishing and is continuing on as a great place to make music and be and uh, but there was like a real question mark yeah. there for a while, and I was in the ninth ward right after Katrina, and uh, had a really just had, I have feel a deep connection to yeah, that visceral city reaction, and just seeing all the buildings with the Katrina tattoo, and there were still tanks in the ninth ward. Wow, um, from the uh, National Guard, and yeah, I imagine I'm not even sure, and um people people's cars were wrecked, their homes yeah. were wrecked. There was a guy that I met living in a pod storage unit, yeah um, as he fixed up his house and so many people left the city of New Orleans. So yeah. it's just it's just a song about um, getting through.
0: yeah. I like it. All right, Leslie Stevens is my guest on Independence Day. This is her song on the Levee on Independence Day. This week's guest is from the St. Louis area, Missouri, by way of California. You've been out here a pretty good while, though. I have, yeah. What brought you out west?
1: I went to college here, okay. and I stayed.
0: Was it an intentional choice to get away from the area where you came from? And I don't mean because you dislike them, but like, it seems like so yeah. many kids, like you're just trying to get this, like as far away as you can go. In a way. Yeah?
1: That and, yeah, that it, and some scholarship funds. Yeah, the joke Inspired I always me to come out here. thought yeah. of
0: was like I, I, my friends, not necessarily myself, but I had friends like they wanted to go to college far enough away that their parents wouldn't see their name in the police blotter on the paper on Sunday <laughs> morning if they got arrested. You know, like not so far. I mean, I went to five colleges. I could not figure out what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. Yeah, and eventually graduated from a place about three mile or three hours from home, not too far from where you grew up, and I grew Central Illinois, is where I eventually finished. Yeah. Uh, you know, for hog reports and corn and middle cornfields. Like I had a radio show in college, and I used to joke like I'm broadcasting into the cornfields. <sighs> so if you're an ear of corn outside of Decatur, <laughs> Illinois, you can hear my show. Um, so, you, but so the choice was to get farther away. And then you studied music. I'm sorry, you studied uh, liter- English literature.
1: I studied English lit. Yeah.
0: Okay, and then so the choice was to get far away. And then so why not go back? Why? Why? What was it about Los Angeles that made you want to make you want to stay here?
1: Well, I actually did move to Italy after okay. I graduated. And when I was in Italy, uh, I was there for about a year and a half doing um, working there. And I wanted to come back to the United States. I was really homesick for just the uh, Americanness of this place. Yeah. It's one of those funny things... That happens sometimes, um, you know. You don't really know what you have till it's gone. Right. And I really felt that living abroad, I missed like pickup trucks, and (laughs) aisles and
0: aisles of groceries, and
1: the the culture. I miss the culture. The um, Italian culture is like, you know, real. Like it's just very different. And I just missed my roots. And I wanted to come home. And uh, when it was time for me to go, come back, I had a choice. I could either go home to St. Louis, Missouri, but none of my friends were there anymore. So this was the place that seemed like it would take me back with open arms more than any other place. Because I still had some friends here who I went to college with.
0: Did you have designs on music at that point? So, no. you know, right out of college, like a year and a half overseas, and you come back to so them. What were you doing for, for work? I for was
1: working for a school. There, teaching? Teaching, um, translating lectures from Italian into English. I, I used to study uh, opera, so I speak Italian, and so I was helping. With so, you know
0: all the music notation, like fortissimo and pianissimo and crescendo, right? CC. CC? So, yes. are, you still, are you still fluent?
1: Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm completely... I couldn't watch a movie and tell you, yeah. like, everything. But, you know, I can have a conversation. I always feel like, can you
0: insult my ancestors in Italian? See. Si, okay, can. so that's that's, that's 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 fluent to me. Like, if you can insult somebody or their ancestors... I mean, you don't have to. But, you know, it's an option if you want to do that. I've got some pretty interesting ancestors, I think.
1: So I have a question for you.
0: Okay. You turn men- the tables on me.
1: You mentioned earlier that you were... There at the Hollywood Bowl for Tom Petty's last show.
0: I was. I was. You're breaking my heart again. But, but yeah. Um, hard, it was funny too, because I don't, I work in the radio business. I don't get a ton of perks. I don't even get paid all that well to tell you the God's honest truth. But one of the perks I do get, because our sister station is a major classic rock station in Los Angeles, is uh, concert tickets. And not just any concert tickets, but if we're, if our, one of our stations is sponsoring the show, most times... I can just kind of call the promotions guy and say, hey, got tickets for X, Y, or Z. Because most, it's funny. Here's a little insider radio baseball. Towards the end of every day, we get an email and for concert tickets. You wouldn't believe. Like, the other night, I could have gone to see the National at the Bowl for free. Yeah. Because it's just, they just have extra tickets. Right. They don't always they give them They want you away. there.
1: They want you in the seats, because yeah. they want to. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, they, you know, they get they a bunch you of tickets. They want you
1: to see the, the music. From the good, promoter, the good stuff but they just, happening. so
0: that we give a bunch away. Yeah. And then, so, you know, the Petty shows that have this happening with David Gilmore too, because I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. I love David Gilmore, one of my favorite guitar players. Uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, I saw that the shows were coming. Same for Petty and Gilmore. I saw that the shows were kind of later in the year, filed it away in my brain, and kind of forgot about it. Just kind of made a note. I'll just get tickets later. So Gilmore, same thing with Petty. I started to see people on social media. Oh, I'm going to see Tom Petty tonight. Oh, I'm going to see David Gilmore tonight. I was like, Oh, damn it. Forgot to buy tickets. And in both cases, I was able to pull a string. Like, hey. That's great. Get some tickets. So with Petty, let's focus on that. Uh, you look like you have a question.
1: Well, was it the last of the three? Well, that's
0: what, that's what I'm getting to. So I asked him. It was that Thursday night, that first of the three shows, because he played Thursday night, Friday night, and then uh, Monday night.
1: Oh, Monday. It was Monday? Yeah,
0: he skipped the weekend. Oh, okay. I think they actually had other shows from other bands. That they like, yeah. came and played. Anyway, not important. So I asked him, like, hey, I couldn't go that Friday night because that was that iron and wine thing I was telling you about. So I was like, hey, uh, promotions man, can you get me tickets for either tonight or Monday for Tom Petty? You know, I know it's kind of last minute, but I'd really love to go. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, like, he's getting older. This is the 40th anniversary tour. It's in LA. I'm not going to pass up a chance to see Tom Petty. I love the guy. He's the North Star by which I navigate my musical career. And he's like, well, all I have left is Monday. Will that work? Random chance. I said, yeah, that'd be great. I knew I'd be tired Tuesday. I'd get up very, very early for my radio gig. I was like, sure, sold, perfect. Sounds great. Monday's great. So picked up the tickets, took my special lady friend, went down to the Hollywood Bowl. Great show. The one thing I can say for people who weren't there, which is almost everyone in the world, he, Tom Petty, went out as good as he's ever been. I'm not going to say it was like the most greatest show I've ever seen of all time, but it was every bit as good as every other Tom Petty show I've ever seen in my life when he was significantly younger. And now, here's another trivia thing, and I have now seen two artists' final shows before they died. Hmm. The other is Stevie Ray Vaughan. I saw his last show, too. So... Oh, God, I I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. I know. I know. Uh, Who doesn't? I mean... So now I've got this thing. Like, now I'm the curse. Like, I have to stop going to see artists that I love because I don't want to have that be their last show.
1: No, you got lucky. You got lucky. Baby. That's true.
0: But it would also be narcissistic of me to think that I had any impact on what the cosmic tumblers do regardless. Right. But what a loss. What a loss. It wasn't as if, like, they talked like they were just going to... You know, that's the last big tour.
1: There's so many of his generation... So few have, have died of this, yeah. of his generation. I mean, some, but luckily, I mean, the country we live in yeah. and the standards of living in the with, we have, you know, it's mostly people that are in the next.
0: Chuck Berry just died. Right. But Chuck Berry is like
1: a lot older than Tom Petty.
0: I guess, that, but that's, that's, right? that's like, to your point. Like these guys, the, the, the we've the,
1: lost so many people.
0: Yeah, and this for me, I mean, year. Tom Petty for me was like when Bowie died and when Prince died. That have had an effect on me, but this was mine. This was the one that's affected me the most so far. And But look at it. We've got half the Beatles, most of the Stones still alive. We've got, you know, I'm talking just legendary bands. Whether you like them or not is irrelevant. Most of the yeah. Eagles, uh, I guess, you know, Henley, Walsh, Felder, although they booted him out. <laughs> um, most of the, you know, most of the Who, half the Who. Uh and guys like Chuck Berry, who was the you know, some of the people who inspired the Beatles, he just died. So anyway, we this is gonna get worse before it gets better. I hate to be a downer, but we've got a lot of legends left to go. How am I making you feel better?
1: We're, that's a good thing. We have a lot of people around still. But last year in 2015, there so yeah. many people went but like Merle Haggard and yeah. Glenn Campbell, yeah. they they were in then they weren't people weren't ready for Yeah. I mean, you're never ready ever to lose someone.
0: Yeah, as I've but, said many times, and we'll continue to say, I'm sure there's there's no there's no good time to lose someone, but there are times that are no time there are times that are worse that than others. Song. You know what I mean? It's like there's no good time for your car to break, but there are times that are less bad. Does that make sense? Two a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah two a.m. on the ten, <laughs> and by needles somewhere. Anyway, uh, what's, what should we talk about? There's so much to talk about. Um, Now, do you still have a connection to home? Because you chose to, you know, away, and then when you came back to the States, you chose to come to a different place. Are you still connected? You know, some people, I've had artists on the show where they'll, they have kind of a dual career. Like, they'll play shows around Los Angeles, and then they've also got a career playing gigs around their hometown. Do you have that kind of connection? I never
1: played gigs in my hometown when I lived there, so... No. I mean, I've, no
0: is a perfectly acceptable answer. I'm not trying to Yeah.
1: Know. Interesting. And um I worked here for a few years when I came back from Italy. I worked in film and then Yeah. I was, yeah, but I've always written songs even when I was a little kid. So to me being a musician came through the writing of the songs. I uh, writing songs has always been a, a huge therapy for mm-hmm. me and the way to Deal with issues or just cope with anything. Yeah. It's like, I, if I can get some time with my guitar in a uh-huh. room, I will, I just like, I instantly feel better. Interesting. So that's, it's always been like a balm or just like, you
0: know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of writers are like that. I mean, people, mm-hmm. it's funny, people can express things through song that they have a hard time expressing other ways. Yeah. You know, because Music they're, I feel like. I'm sorry, what were you saying?
1: Music expresses the unexpressible. The only thing that can say more is silence, I think. Isn't that a quote, someone?
0: Yeah, probably. If it's not all attributed to you, it's now yours. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, artists, it's funny. Some artists are very fluent in, with the language. I mean, well, they're fluent with the language regardless in the way that they write. But some people like to talk about what they do. Some people don't like to talk about what they do. But they still have that command of the language. And if you studied English li- literature, as they say, uh, and there, there's a connection to the language for you. Yeah. Obviously, what authors, you know, were you into growing up? I see
1: see language itself. After studying English for four years at the university level, I I see language as just like you know, and as a really flawed way, a flawed means of communication. Yeah, it's really difficult to um, express. I feel like music can express so much more. Than anything that you can say,
0: it gives you a framework, which is something I really like about songwriting. It gives you some rules, yeah. And you don't have to rhyme. Like I always say, like you can either rhyme like Neil Young or not rhyme like everyone else, right? So, but it gives you, you know, uh, you know, in um, in opera or 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 classical music, you've got sonata allegro form, which we studied endlessly in college in my music degree. You know, it's it's very. There's this happens here and this happens there, and you can kind of bend the rules a little bit. But songwriting is a similar sort of thing. Uh, it's a tabula rasa to an extent because, sure, the Beatles broke all the rules and did great songs, and you know the the best pop songs, excuse me, have things that kind of bend music theory rules or bend you know rhyming schemes or whatever. But there's still a framework.
1: Well, you always start with a blank page. Yeah. So everyone starts staring at the same blank page, but it is true with the songwriting form, you have a construct, you have a box essentially, and you have to put whatever, you know, if if you have the desire and the spark to write a song, you have to put whatever it is that you want into that format. And usually that's like, you know, there are some, there are some rules and many more rules than we realize until we break it down. I teach songwriting at um, Los Angeles College of Music. And that's one thing I always tell my students, you know, like, there are no rules, but <laughs> right. What, what is it that, like, makes a song a song?
0: Well, you can look at rules in another way. There are, yeah. Because rules, you know, once you, you know, musicians, there's a lot of rebels in the music world, right? So you, when you say the word rule, people immediately want to buck. But
1: mm-hmm. if you
0: say guidelines or you say a structure... That's another way to well, say the same thing. I think
1: wanting to buck is a good thing.
0: Well, no, I'm I'm not putting a value judgment on it. I'm just saying that No, some, but I mean,
1: like calling it a rule can make you want to break it, that's which true. is a good thing.
0: That's true. I mean, I learned I learned music theory because I wanted to know how these things were constructed. But I so I know full well when I'm doing something that's a non-diatonic chord or sure. um, there's a million different like songwriter things, intros, outros, bridges. Uh, yeah. tagged things, choruses, half choruses, interludes, you know, adding that other element of music to it. Because the song exists unto itself as a song that you can sing a cappella with just a vocal, just a line. I mean, the best songs we can. We can hum them right off the top of our head. How many songs can you think of? A million that are like that. Add in the chord changes underneath it, and it may be a completely different thing, you know, other than what you thought it was based on that melody. And the best songs, I think, it's so implied that that's just—it's you hear it yeah, you know it, it, whether it's there or not. Does it make sense? Am I making sense? Yeah, Maybe. I
1: I think I'm following you. It's still <laughs> it, in, but theory can be like lassoing a rainbow. It's really hard to go from theory to emotion or expression. I've always found like I, you know, I can study the theory, but it doesn't really help me to convey what it is that's in my heart or yeah. like to, to create like an emotional song, like a like, um, like an amazing Tom Petty song, like, I don't know, like Southern accents mm-hmm. or, um, I mean, there's so many amazing songs. The, the theory of it doesn't like, you can't boil it down and be like, Oh, that, that, that happens emotionally in that song because of this theory happened. Mm hmm. It's totally unrelated, and that's part of the magic. That's what like makes it so magical and mystical when you can like create an emotion.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating. I mean, that's a you know, Southern accents for me has always been an interesting case because like to delve just a little bit into like theory world. You know, uh, I don't know how much you know about music theory. You studied opera, so you know, you must know like you know I had one chord, it. diatonic chords, four chord, five chord, you know, root motion, that kind of thing. Uh, Southern accents, for example. The five chord—it's like a—it's like a, like a five-four-one sort of thing, and five to one, at least in classical music, is the strongest root motion. Your ear wants to have that five resolve to the one, especially the if the it's pole. a dominant. Yeah, it's a dominant seven, then it's even more, right? And but that does—it's it, very wistful to because you know when a song has five to one, it's—it's—it's it's, it's strong, right? But you don't always want it to be strong. You want it to sometimes to be lilting. You want it sometimes to be gentle and you want it to be something different and that does like a the four to one is a softer root motion in that particular song and i've always found that very interesting because that song is so wistful and he's singing about something that he both loves and maybe is suspect about
1: yeah you're kind of obliterating my point you're making a really good point
0: no i I just i'm just saying that there's another way to look at it you know there's not any right or wrong way to do either of these things
1: no but you're i mean you're making a really great case for like the use of that pull, yeah, that pull to the to the tonic.
0: But the thing is, like some of the best writers I know, uh, a particular friend of mine, I'm thinking of back in the Chicago area, he's living somewhere else now. I don't think he knows a, a whit about theory. He knows n- very well, nothing. He just doesn't. You don't have to it. know it to feel right, it. Right. Exactly, that's my point.
1: Like, and so that's what makes it irrelevant. Right. So okay, thank you for making my original point. Now.
0: He's uh, well. I'm, I'm just saying that. There's nobody, there's no, nobody's wrong, nobody's right. There's a song right there. Anyway, I'm talking with Leslie Stevens. We're getting really deep already. We've talked about home. We've talked about songwriting. We're going to come back. She's going to play a live song for us. Uh, what is this first song you're going to play here? I like this one.
1: Listen, my Tears Are Wasted On You.
0: Fairly traditional, but lovely.
1: I was trying to write a Patsy Cline song when I wrote that one.
0: Well, you did well. Thanks. Okay. okay, well, let's hear this. This is my guest this week on Independence Day, Leslie Stevens. If you want to buy her music, you can find it online, and it's uh, Stevens with a V, not PH. Uh, her website, if you want to visit it, LeslieStevensUSA.com. I love that it's USA. Because is there like Leslie Stevens, Sweden? Probably, no, maybe. No. There might be. You don't know that.
1: I've checked them all.
0: You have not. I, I don't I, believe I, I you for a second. I haven't. <laughs> okay. We're going right. to
1: Google them right now while you listen to this. Sure,
0: let's do that. Okay, so Leslie Stevens, she's playing. Uh, she's singing and playing guitar on this, and also Ben Peeler, oh, right. very talented dude, this. playing Pedal Steel on this as well. So Leslie Stevens, the song is My Tears Are Wasted on You on Independence Day.
2: <laughs> Once you drew me pictures and rode me bones. How I was Your true love Now my loud sobs Make it so I can't think And my vision Is blurry And my tears Smear the ink And I should have Seen it coming But I was Blind like a fool I lost heaven My tears are wasted on you On the beach in Rosarito. We wrote a song about love deeper than oceans. You can't lose what's this strong. You said pride can be trouble. Don't be too proud. Then it's loving that's dangerous when you're falling from a cloud. And I should have seen it coming, but I I
0: Friends, my name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you for listening to Independence Day. And I mean that. Like you've got a lot of comp- competition for your entertainment dollar. And it means a lot to me that you take the time to listen to the show because it's one of my favorite things to do is talking to musicians. Talking to a great one this week, Leslie Stevens, Los Angeles based singer, songwriter of the country genre. Fairly traditionalist, I would say, you know, in the in the Patsy Klein vein. But we're gonna you're gonna play a song in a little while that's got like Beatles E yeah. chord changes, you know, so you're not in a box. I don't think. Do you want to be in a box?
1: Depends what's in there.
0: <laughs> well put. Did I hear somewhere that you play the saw?
1: I do play the saw. You
0: should have brought it. Why I should. Why did you bring I, your
1: saw? I usually bring it to all my interviews because no, not really.
0: You do not. It
1: makes it sound like you know. If you've never heard a musical saw, it's, it makes it sound like a, like a like a whiny like, like yeah. a ghost, like, like a, a ghost, yeah, or a theremin almost. Theremin. Yeah,
0: is it's a very pure, like sine wavy type of sound. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's a really it. spooky. Sound. If people you can people can go, you should Google this. You like bow, don't when yeah. the show is over, don't yeah. do it now, or you could pause this, I guess. But if you pause, come back, please come back to me, baby. Uh get <laughs> to play the song. He loves you. He
1: loves you.
0: Is, wait, who loves me? <laughs> your listeners. I hope so. I certainly do. You uh, love your listeners. I, I do love my mean. listeners. <laughs> uh but you bow it. And then you bend it to like make the pitch go up and down, and I've, it's on a Tom Waits record. I know. There's a, a bowed saw. Ah,
1: okay, yeah. So, and
0: so, how, where on earth did you pick up playing the saw?
1: Well, I do you know the band Neutral Milk Hotel? I do. I. When I was a Christmas teenager. I don't get a Christmas card from them or anything, but I, I, I know. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I saw that tour. It only happened for a month in '97, I think. I'm not even sure the year, but I saw that tour, and they had a saw in the band, and I went to Home Depot, and I got a saw, and I went to the violin store, and I got a bow, and I cut my the pants up. The violin store. I cut. My, Violins are us. I tried to bow it, and I cut my pants up, so I took the saw back to Home Depot, and then I ended up going online and buying a musical saw. So there's a separate saw. You don't just com.
0: go down to true value and pick up a, a saw. You
1: supposedly you can play those in theory. but but I was a little bit upset that it cut my pants, you know. They were my favorite jeans.
0: <laughs> and now they got a hole I like, in them. You know, but you holes know what? in
1: them it's kind of I, I was into the holes, but i wasn't into the cuts.
0: But here's the Be- thing though. Underneath the holes, you know that's a great saying? story. Thanks. That's much better. I think the best Oh, this is horrible The The best Whole cause I, I'm not a Holy Jean guy But in high school Holy jeans. I had very oh. I had a bony butt The Armstrongs <laughs> The Armstrongs Like the males In our family Maybe the females too I don't know I don't look at my sister's Renz that much But They have We have bony butts You have
1: butt bones We have
0: very we have Small derriere So in high school I love that word Every pair of jeans I had from high school would have a hole on either side of my no, jeans, your where butt my butt bone was. Would wear through your, totally. Because in high school, what jeans. are you doing? You're sitting around, right? You're sitting in class all day in those like wooden desks, and then I would get so then you I would needed
1: to eat more potatoes, boy.
0: <laughs> it would it would just go in the belly, where Fatten dude. them up, fat it up, fatten up,
1: Fatten those cheeks up.
0: I would sew bandanas. Because you know the rest of the jeans were oh, fine, so all my cool. jeans would have like
1: I, I love that look,
0: like a red. But it was a small hole; I mean, it wasn't like a big thing. Yeah, but it would have two <laughs> red bandana patches Remind on my of rear. Something
1: out of a, like Steinbeck novel, or could something. be like Tom
0: Joad. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the fact that Bony you got butt. your jeans cut playing the saw—that's a great story, <laughs> right? It's the kind of thing you wouldn't just. Yeah, you know, I, guess, I
1: had to get my seventy bucks back from Home Depot. I kept that receipt, and I got it back.
0: And you could, I guess, you could have um, you could have tried to take the jeans back too. I guess they were so
1: already so broken in the tore no way. up. That's what they say. Tore, in the South. They was you tore, tore up. up. What's that company where you can return anything? Patagonia. Uh, if only they'd been made by or LL Bean.
0: Patagonia is good about that. REI is pretty good about that. Yeah, they've changed their policies more recently because I think
1: because people think, started buying things on Etsy and I, on. Craigslist, and then taking them to the store like they were theirs for the, for the full refund.
0: I've got a theory. And That's I wanted, right?
1: I, Wasn't there this yeah. one? Yeah.
0: I've got a theory, though, and I want to know what you think about this. Right, This is kind of on the music topic, but also kind of not. I think Americans are becoming bigger jerks in general. And here's my case, and I'm going to give you one case in point, and then you can either refute or not refute what I'm going to say. I've noticed this. This is empirical evidence driving around in my world. More and more people are just driving around with their brights on all the time. And I don't mean like accidentally, maybe, but it's happening. It's very prevalent now. Like I'm seeing it all the time. And I I can't believe that this is just an accident because I never saw this. Like growing up where I did, it was kind of a semi-rural area, kind of a suburb. So you could use the brights on your car. Like if you live in a city, you don't use your brights that much. You don't need your brights. You don't need your brights. It's always bright. But in where I grew up, like there would be bright places and dark places and you would turn your brights on. You
1: have to have your brights on. A deer is going to come through the woods. A deer.
0: Yeah. Right. The you deer, get the- uh and you just need to see. And but there was a whole protocol. When a car would come over the hill, for example, you would both would turn your brights off as a courtesy to the other driver. And now people aren't doing that. And I've been seeing this more and more.
1: Courtesy you and this consideration no? are at an all time low. The stock is down.
0: You think so? You're agreeing with me is what you're saying.
1: Well, I do see so many people driving around looking at their phones, walking around looking at their phones. Yeah, unable to. I have a phone addiction. I feel like.
0: Yeah, that was well. So then, so you agree <laughs> yeah. though? Before we move on to the next topic,
1: I I agree, but I also think that people always feel that way.
0: Yeah, I see that a little bit. I don't know though. I think there's been a change. I think it's tied into your point too, with being separate from everyone on their phones constantly. You know, I don't want to be that old guy, but this is a new thing. You follow me? Like this wasn't, I mean, you can the say- bright,
1: I have not noticed this brights thing. But pay I, attention. Everybody I'm out gonna, there
0: in, in podcast land, get back to me. Let me know if you find this to be the case. And let me know if this is a nationwide thing or if we, this is just an LA thing. But people are
1: doing it all the time. want to hear from you. They Without don't even this. turn them off.
0: I come over the hill, they don't turn them off. I find it I find it to be rude. Is
1: it possible that regular lights are just brighter, the halogen They're awfully bulbs. bright.
0: They're They're too too bright bright to not be right. I mean, I know the difference. I I think, at least I think I do. Yeah. I guess that's possible. Anyway, it seems very, very bright. And I think, I don't know. I mean, there are other things in our society that that lends credence to my theory. People are being, people are mean to each other more than they used to be. Again, and I don't want, I swear I'm not trying to be that old guy because I don't think millennials suck. I actually think I've got two millennials in my band, and they're awesome. They work their asses off.
1: Yeah, you can't you can't generalize.
0: The every generation, you know? including the millennials, is doing the exact same thing that every other generation is trying to do, which is become in their find their place in the world while dealing with all the crapola from the generations that came before them.
1: There's a lot, of and there's baggage. a lot. We, we got a lot of baggage, all of us.
0: Yeah, it's true. How about another song? But
1: the issue is how you deal with the issue.
0: It's true. And we deal with you deal with it through therapy of song, right? Tying it all together.
1: I do song as a songwriter. That's to me, writing songs is my way to the truth.
0: All right. I want to come back and I want to dig into that that particular topic just a little bit, like how you go about writing your songs, because it goes back a long way in your world. You said you started as a young girl. So first, play the song. Uh, it's the title track, I believe, "The Donkey and the Rose." Can you play that for us? We'll come back. We'll talk Let's about songwriting. Do it.
1: Sounds good. Is that a deal? It's a deal.
0: Okay, Leslie Stevens is my guest on Independence Day this week. You can visit her on the interwebs, LeslieStevensUSA.com. She's also branded across, uh, sometimes it's Leslie Badgers. Sometimes you had a band called The Badgers at one point. Uh, we'll talk about what happened to them, too. <laughs> Are they buried in your yard? Don't answer that. We'll come back. We'll answer that in a minute. Uh, so this is her Dark. song, title track from her Dark. record, The Donkey and the Rose, Leslie Stevens on Independence Day.
2: I was a donkey You were a rose I'd smell you all day long Until the thorns stuck my nose Donkeys are stubborn When they love a rose I'm like a donkey And everybody knows to stay something Rosie do something
0: Leslie Stevens on Independence Day Lovely song Leslie good work Thanks Joe. Good work I like what you do Other people do too I'm not the only one who like knows that you're good at what you do So it's fun to get to talk to you in person And like Thanks. pick your brain a little bit Uh In light of that lovely song, let's talk about this songwriting process. Do you think, as a young person, was that a way to, like you said before, was it a therapy thing even then? Was it an escapism kind of thing? Was it a compulsion?
1: I took piano lessons, and I was assigned to write a song.
0: Mm -hmm. How old were you at that point?
1: Seven, I want to say. Oh, young. And I loved that I loved getting to write a song. It was like uh, ice cream, you know what I mean? And I thought everyone in the world loved it too because how could they not? So I just, I didn't (laughs) understand that it was just something I liked. Okay. And I I didn't come around to the idea that it was something I liked till I was really, I was like 20 something.
0: Who did you show your early songs to?
1: Just my piano teachers, really. Yeah? Yeah. First song was a song for the birds. Yeah. You still were... remember it? Yeah. It's not, not something you want to hear, but uh but yeah, song song for the birds. It was just an instrumental piece just for just for all the birds in the animal kingdom.
0: <laughs> do you remember what key it was in? Give me you know that detail?
1: I believe it was in G.
0: G. G. That's I had the people's key of G. That's my favorite key.
1: People's key. I still write some instrumental music too.
0: Yeah, I do too. I like instrumentals. Yeah. No, I went through a period where I didn't at all. Yeah. But now I now I do again. I, get through phase, like, I go through these big phases Like, there's, like growing yeah. up I listened to no female artists Like as a young person That's
1: really common
0: And then In my Like very early on in college So I was like 19 20 or so And then I was obs- obsessed with female artists For the longest time I loved Cowboy Junkies I loved Edie Burkell And New Bohemians wow, I loved Indigo gosh. Girls I loved Sarah McLaughlin I loved uh, Who else am I missing From Bonnie? that era Bonnie bon- Raitt Well Bonnie Raitt Man I got a story about Bonnie Raitt too
1: Emmy Lou Harris.
0: Emmy Lou Harris. But I think just. But then it was like. Then I was like the the Pandora's box was open, and yeah. it was female artists. So Now I'm equal opportunity. I don't know why. I, you know what I think it was. I listened to mostly rock music, capital R rock. Tom Petty rock. We were talking right. about that before. Like not metal, but there weren't a ton of women in that genre and even the ones that were Heart was like kind of the only example at that time
1: That's true Heart's a great example Yeah it's it's a man's world
0: it, it, well, for Stevie that, Nicks Stevie Nicks Stevie Nicks, Nicks is
1: kind of an exception You know there were Heart Stevie Nicks
0: Uh uh Fleet and Wii then Mac, like Smashing kind of. then see it started the worm started to turn like there were bands that were like Smashing Pumpkins had Darcy was the you know female bass player Um uh, then 10,000 Maniacs 10,000 Maniacs there were a lot
1: in the in the but 90s, a lot it changed
0: more. anyway. we're off on that whole female tangent. Line. We're trying to talk about writing here, so.
1: But I still, I notice a lot of my male friends. I look through their playlists or look at their yeah. See it there are there are less female artists, so you can't really fault them for having less.
0: Yeah, fewer to. Okay, so let's 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 save that. I want to come back after the next song. We'll talk about that. So because we're trying to, I'm trying to talk about writing here. It's okay. No, it's okay. I did it too. Uh, who are the people? that you look to, to for influences when you started writing. Everyone it seems that I know who's a writer, they're bit by the bug, such as you were. They wanna write, they're obsessed with it. For you, you said it was ice cream. Now, who were you listening to that, that made you wanna write? Was there a, because there's like people, some people I have on this show, they have a one influence who's like their instrument influence as well as their writing influence. Like say someone's into Eddie Van Halen, they like the way he plays and they like the way he writes. Or if it's a singer person, it's all three. Was there a person like that for you or a group of people, artists you can think of?
1: There have been so many different ones.
0: But at that time, though, as a young writer...
1: As a little kid, I listened to Top 40 Radio. That was it. I did not have any CDs. Really? As a kid, like when I first started writing, I just listened to to Top 40 Radio, Pop Radio.
0: And who was... Okay, so in what era would this have been? Like who was on... Pop radio 80, at that time. 80s. Like, 80s.
1: Yeah, 80s and 90s.
0: Okay. Because that's a big difference. I feel like that changed what pop. Because I actually, I like pop music as an ideal, but Beatles were pop.
1: Right. It's it's a different, It's pop is shifting and changing just like. Yeah. yeah. And in
0: some ways, you know, now it's, I, I can't, I can't bear to listen. And it's, it's sad in a way. I and mean, in some ways, country, like hot country, new country, modern country has kind of, Uh, assumed that role in a way so it's kind of rocky but even that you know there's so much this is going to sound terrible there's so much electronic music and auto-tune and things mixed into it that it starts to lose its humanity for me
1: and there's always that kernel of truth in there I think that people are connecting to in even pop songs, it's just hard sometimes to (laughs) sift through the nonsense (laughs) to get to hear that seed of like what it is that makes but you know, when people love something, there's like something in it that's that they're connecting to that Yeah. That is you know, there's some kernel of truth or like something real in there. But then again something buried. Every now and again something happens. Like I really
0: like a Royals by Lord. I think that's a fantastic song. It's very well written. It's got a unique thing. It's very catchy, and there yeah. are other things that pop up like that. And then there's a lot of music that I think that could be uh, labeled as pop, but doesn't wind because of its sonically different. It's kind of Americana flavored or um, roots flavored. So it's, even though it's really a pop song, Matthew Sweet wrote mostly pop songs, but he was an, the alternative was the genre at that time. You know, you follow, you dig. Yeah, I dig. <laughs> um, it, so at this point in your career, you've had several albums, a couple different bands. Like, how many songs do you think you've finished? Ballpark in your career so far.
1: Finished probably like a hundred or something. Hundred about a hundred, maybe a hundred fifty.
0: And are you the type of person that? Do you, like, work at it, or does it just kind of come? In other words...
1: It totally depends on the song.
0: Okay, so it's, Some it's,
1: songs, I wake up, it's there, it's done in a day. Some songs, I slave over for eight yeah. years, nine years. I have some songs that are... That are still, you know, probably won't be finished. For... It's mysterious, the process, you it know? It is. Like, See, I, and, I love and it. And it's, like, it's, you're the one who determines, ultimately, when it's finished. Right. So you really...
0: You know You as the writer, you mean? As the writer, the royal, yeah. You. The
1: writer of your of your song. The royal you. Royals.
0: Uh, <laughs> Royals. I'm asking because I mean I'm also fascinated by the the the, the, the avocation Another of songwriting.
2: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Have you seen the clown do that, by the way? Uh Puddles Pity Party.
1: He sings that song?
0: He does, and it's incredible. Wow. He does it with uh, uh two girls a pianist, and I think an upright bass player. So it's kind of almost like a jazz combo version. of It's really... And he's got a great voice. It's really good. You should check it out. People should Google that too. Puddles Pity Party doing Lord's Royals. Don't do it right now. Do it after the show. Or if you pause it, come back. Like we said before, that's the instruction. Um, Do you have... You have have... to listen
1: to Joe. You must listen.
0: Well, it's a suggestion more than a directive, but I would appreciate it if you did. Um, Do you have like self-imposed rules on your songwriting given your genre of music in other words put another way would you write a song that's outside of your country genre and then give it to someone else or would you would even occur to you to write something outside of your genre
1: sure i do do that you do that yeah because I, I do that and, and I'm, i have no problem i mean i don't i don't feel it's not like especially difficult like writing a country song is just as difficult as writing a pop song they're they're equally weighted right. in my in my messed up brain
0: right well I, you your words not mine by the way i never said you were messed up just like to get that on record so that everybody can hear that um so do you do you then have rules about your writing because i remember like amy mann who's a good writer like her whole thing i remember reading in some short article that she will ever write I don't know if it's the word love, because that seems you can't get away from that. But maybe it's just, I love you. She will never write into a song. Um, Do you have any things like that? Any prohibitions that you impose upon yourself when you're writing?
1: I used to be absolutely against putting any swear words in a song. I felt that it was like a sacred space Mm -hmm. and that it shouldn't be, there shouldn't be swear words as part of it. But that was the only rule. That's the only rule I've ever had. And I broke that one.
0: Yeah. What made you change your opinion?
1: I'm a
2: rebel.
0: Like, uh, who was the, uh Pee Wee Herman. I'm a rebel, Dottie. A loner. A, we're, we're quoting its rebel. 80s movie quote this week. We've already Dottie. had a reference. When we were doing the songs earlier, loner. we had a reference to... And what is, we had a mixed reference in one sentence between Back to the Future and Ghostbusters. I love that stuff. Anyway. The best. So, so, now, so now you don't have any rules.
1: I... The, there are no rules, except, see, there are rules that you don't see. Okay, so here see. we go. Here we there go. are invisible rules. There's there's the construct of the song itself. It's probably going to be about three minutes. Right. You can write a super short song, you can write a long song, but there's this, like, idea of, like, a song that you don't even realize that you have in your, in your mind until you do. I mean, I always feel that constructs are beneficial.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, to your writing. So. Limitations
0: are beneficial to art. You know, yep. and it's I that's exactly what I mean. I'm very By guilty. Of, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting.
1: Yeah. No, no, no. You're very guilty what?
0: I'm very guilty of when I because I'm I'm trying to finish a batch of songs for my next record. Por ejemplo. And when I have all the options in the world, it's overwhelming for me as a writer. As that when I'm when I'm wearing my artist hat as a writer, and I hate that, that metaphor, but I'm gonna go with it anyway. When I'm wearing that hat, I get overwhelmed. If it's every if if if, if it's everything, yeah. Look, and I'm looking at like, well, I could write the song to yes. be about anything. It's too much. But then if I, I try to impose some restrictions upon what I'm doing, Constructs. okay. So yeah, so this I mean, and then aside from just the obvious ones like topic, that's the most obvious one of all. What's the song about? Mm-hmm. Does it have to be about anything? Uh, I recently got to uh, uh, go see Iron and Wine, Sam Beam do a Q&A thing at the Grammy Museum a couple weeks ago. And there was an interview with a moderator and then he opened it up to a few audience questions and I, I got picked first and I was pretty happy about that. I revere him as a writer because he writes in a very oblique way. Um, to to suss the meaning out of one of his songs sometimes takes work and there are other songs I've been listening to his for well over a decade and I couldn't tell you for the life of me what that particular song is about because he writes in an oblique way and the question I asked him was, paraphrasing, uh, songwriters like David Bowie. Um, there's, there's another example I gave, uh, Mike Stipe from REM. They assemble songs based more on the way words sound together, irrespective of their meaning. Follow? Uh-huh. So that that phrase that he said may have no bearing whatsoever on anything, or she, and but they just sound those words, the the sound of those words. You know, the the the, the, the um elements of writing alliteration and end rhyme and all those things like they just sound good together and i raised my hand and i said you know mr sam beam thank you for doing what you do do you write like those artists you know is that an intentional thing is that something you do or is it something you work at doing or is it just how you do what you do and he's he basically said exactly what i thought he was going to say which is yes but i just wanted to hear it to hear him say it yeah you know like i wanted confirmation that that's what he did and he did say yes.
1: There's there's a purity in taking the words just as almost as objects, or yeah. just based on their sounds and putting them together based on that. And that's a construct. Like when you do that, when you set out to do that, you're operating within. A, like right. You're giving yourself constructs. A limitation. Of some a kind. limitation. So that's not too overwhelming. The same is true of rhyme. When you force yourself to rhyme, I've found that. When I force myself to rhyme, I say, you know, I say something in a way that's, to me, more interesting mm-hmm. than when I don't have to rhyme. So the that's a, rhyming is a limitation. Rhyming is a limitation. The chords or the scale, another limitation mm-hmm. that seems invisible when you're writing, but when you when you really examine the song itself. For, When you examine the song itself for the constructs and and limitations that are allowing you to write, they're they're there. Um, When you try to say something specific, that's a limitation. When you write a message song, I want to say that love is what will change the world. That's going to be the message of the song. So I sit down and I write this song. Sometimes when I do co-writes with people, we'll start with title. Mm -hmm. Also it's called title down when you come up with a title mm-hmm. and then you write the song fill the details yeah i wrote the song everybody drinks and drives in heaven as a title down song my mm-hmm. friend and i were laughing about what a wacky insane song that song would be right and and so we put down the title and that became a title down song so like all of these things are examples of like constructs or limitations like the artist starts with a canvas right. there's like you you can't paint the whole world There are corners to the to the edge of the canvas and even the canvas itself is a limitation or the palette of paints mm-hmm. you pick you know
0: my friend oh you can't see it it's behind the the scrim here the back of our thing she paints yeah. around the edges of frames oh yeah that's her whole thing um that right. well that one too that's another example of that so yeah but that's just but it's, that's a
1: way of breaking the
0: right uh construct,
1: s- but creating another contract still a construct
0: Right, you're, but you're still even that's as far as you can go, though. I mean, I guess you could paint on the back side of it, but then that's that's you're you're out of your you're out of your element, Donnie. No, you're out of <laughs> the dude. The dude divides. You're out of your medium at that point. You can't. Yeah, it's in a words,
1: commentary on the limitations right. of space. Well, it's like your to paint the frame is, too. Your,
0: your art is tied to your medium, right? You can't sing a song on a on an easel. It doesn't, it's impossible. I mean, you could do some kind of performance art thing, I guess, but it, that does, that's not your medium. You yeah. can't sing with a painting, you know? And in sculpting, you know, our, I love the metaphor where people say, well, I'm just taking away what shouldn't be there. Because the, the, the sculpture is in that block of wood or plaster or metal or whatever your medium is. And songwriting being our medium, it's a very malleable medium or a very malleable medium.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I love that aspect about it. Um, And finding those limitations, the proper limitations for a specific song, is is like a big challenge. For me, at least.
1: And limitations don't inhibit creativity. You think that they're going to prevent creativity, but it's actually the opposite. It's the inverse. It's the inverse. And I also tell my songwriting students, it's like those times when you go to the fridge and you only have four things to work with. Mm Mm-hmm but you make something insanely amazing because you only had chicken tortilla strips. Yes,
0: ketchup and an olive. And sour cream. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you end up making something really great because the limitation like forced your mind. Yeah,
0: and the title down thing you referenced before is interesting too, and I think the genre that you work in, and to a certain extent that I do too, uh, country music lends itself very well to those top-down to title, title down. songs. Yeah, I think you a know? lot
1: of people do write title on yeah.
0: Coming at it from like the Radiohead perspective, it's very different. Um, are you familiar with Radiohead at all? Yeah. Uh, the song Let Down from uh, a favorite of mine. Uh, it was a song, it's kind of buried on the B-side of Okay Computer, it's a great song, and I had, I'd listened to it a, you know, dozens of times. And then one time, Adding context to songwriting, I was driving on Lakeshore Drive in Chicago, where the city's on one side and the lake's on the other. It's the end of the continent for us in Chicago. And the, the local, like at that time, Alternative Rock Station played Letdown separate from OK Computer and dropped it into the rest of their playlist for that hour. And it blew me away. I had never heard it outside the context of that album. And the rest of that album is so strong and that writing is so good it, it gave me a new appreciation for the song, and now I think it may be my favorite Radiohead song on that record, and maybe one of my favorite Radiohead songs at all of all.
1: Just by hearing it out of context. Just by hearing it out of
0: context. It changes everything about it, but what I was saying is, like, yeah. you, to write a song called Let Down, and then write that top down, there's not enough, there's not as much to work with as if you said, everybody drinks and drives in heaven. There's well, so I, much I more to work with. It would depend on the there.
1: writer. It would depend on the writer. Everybody drinks and drives in heaven has to be a song about... Right. It has to be a song about the title. Right. Whereas let down you write could be it's more universal. Right.
0: And that's a different limitation.
1: It is. It's right. Very, or it's the more tabula very, rasa
0: thing. Anyway, why don't you play another song? Okay. Uh, we were, I think we actually even tried to set that up like fifteen minutes ago when we've been rambling about songwriting. But see, I love this stuff. This is like my favorite thing I, about this show. I do
1: too. I mean a songwriting to me is my bliss.
0: Yeah. And I don't get to talk like I feel like right now, like I'm connecting with you on a level that I don't get to connect with very many people on. Because nobody else, Thanks, I was going to say, Joe, I I gonna say a bad you. word, but nobody gives a crap, really. You know, They just want to listen to the song. I mean, not to say nobody, but like, yeah. as a, the consumer.
1: The, the process is really... You have to be really specialized to appreciate the process.
0: Yeah. Nobody really gives a whit, whip, a poop. Who whip? A whip uh, about the process of this writing thing. But I, I'm endlessly endlessly fascinated by how this is put together. The, the concept of, I've said numerous times in my life, I've done a lot of things. I've climbed mountains, I've been around the world, I've been to 49 of the 50 states, I've loved, I've lost, it sounds like a gag but it's true, I've made beer, uh, <laughs> all these things, I've, I've got a college degree, uh, people who love me, the things of which I'm most proud, grammatically correct, I might add, are the songs that I've written most proud of everything I've ever done. I've only got two records so far. I'm working on a third. I'm trying to figure out how to get that third one together. Is but I I feel like in some ways I spend more time thinking about the process than actually doing the process or examining how other people do it. Do you here's a question. When you're writing, do you have to turn off the radio?
1: I have to put my phone on airplane mode even. Yeah. I mean, I have to use my phone while I'm writing cuz I have yeah. a tuner on it and I have yeah. but I I put my Phone on airplane mode You have to like Shut the world out
0: I have to And I don't just mean While I'm writing a song I mean like In that period of my life Oh Like I have to Because my brain Wants that musical input So desperately
1: Oh like Not listen to other Songs I've talked to many Songwriters about this and we do feel that, like, when we go into writing mode, mode, um, a good friend of mine is Jenny O. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a great record out right now. And she and I were talking about how when you listen to other people's music, it fills you up mm-hmm. and does what music does. Right. It p- provides something that nothing else can provide. Yeah. And that when we're trying to write, if we don't fill up on other people's music, sometimes that results in a better song.
0: I would go even farther right. than think? that. I'll go farther than that. Okay. I will say, because I, I had to learn this the hard way was when I was trying to become a writer. I mean, I wrote some really crappy songs in high school. Through college, they got better, and then after college is when I really, that's when I discovered my voice. It sounds pretentious, but it's true no. as a writer. Um, yeah. From my own perspective. You know, thats I figured out what style I write best and what suits my voice, because I'm going to be the, mostly, I'm the guy performing these songs, even though I would love it. I haven't covered, which is a very fun thing, You've been covered at some point? Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It's a really cool it. thing. Uh is finding
1: Honor. It's an honor.
0: Honor. It, it is an honor. It, it is a great is. honor. Yeah. Uh, that I, but I found that musicians that I know and love, yourself included, the my brain functions on a musical level. I'm the guy. If I go to Home Depot, I will completely lose track of why in the hell I'm even there. Because I have now completely tuned in to whatever they're playing. And it goes so far as like the music on the commercial. Like what is that? What is that? I was listening to NPR this morning and there was one note, it was an intro of a song. I've all day been trying to figure out what that was. It's it's very distinctive thing. Um, usually they play a little more of it and it would have been easy to figure out. But I learned that I had to forcibly make myself not listen to other music when I'm in writing mode because I love it so much and it's such a big aspect of my life.
1: I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I will be eating at a restaurant and they'll be playing a record I love and I cannot follow the conversation. Totally. Because I'm listening to 100%. the music. It's so. It's, it's like, it's right? Here's the thing. It happens.
0: Have you ever been a waiter or waitress? I guess you would have been I a waitress. I have. Here's the thing. This is a very. A
1: server, as they a say, now, the gender neutral. Gender neutral,
0: very well. Nicely played.
1: server.
0: There was the, one of the craziest things about being a server, uh, I haven't been one in a long time. Um, this, so this would have been the 90s and I was in college and I was working at a restaurant. So in what I would call the front of house, which was the dining area, uh, and I would call backstage the kitchen because I came from theater and music. So when I was in the house, they'd be playing you know, dining music, you know, unobtrusive, calm music, encouraging people to and eat more food. Go, yeah. And you'd cross that threshold into the kitchen and the dudes, I used to call them mutants, the dudes who were working in the kitchen were gnarly. And, and they, they would like be like cranking to sp- out the dishes and like
1: fire playing yeah. with fire yeah and
0: they've got fire and they've got like hard rock station crank
1: Huge now i'm not saying, like that the, I'm not, not saying it's up. bad
0: i'm just saying that the dissonance right like the it made the, you feel the, the stylistic dissonance between those two styles like in the house i'd be like walking listening to like I, they would, every now and again they would play uh, harvest moon by Neil Young which i love very I
1: love that very song.
0: calm very um I'll see you
2: dancing
0: that's again. the one it's beautiful. beautiful do I know.
2: See you dance, dance again. And, but and, yes, and,
0: in and one second, I would cross the threshold of the kitchen. It would be... Sperman. And neither one of them's a bad song. But so it was, you had
1: to quit? Or did you get fired? Neither.
0: I made it through. I eked it out. I mean, I graduated not too terribly long after that. But it was just... That was the moment where it was the most jarring. Because they were they were juxtaposed, those two types of things. Because usually it yeah. wasn't as good as Neil Young. Usually it was pretty crappy music that they were playing in the dining area. And it was that, uh, you know, abrasion of those two different things. Anyway, let's play another song.
2: Sounds so otherwise I'll
0: talk to you about writing songs until the end of time, <laughs> if left to my own devices. And it seems like you would do the same. So what's this next tune?
1: Is it Old Timers? It is Old
0: Timers. Tell me about this and we'll play it. We will play it. By we, gonna, I mean you.
1: <laughs> I'm going to play Old Timers, and it's a song about loss.
0: Yeah. Good topic.
1: It's... It's a song that I've played For quite a few years It's on my record Leslie Stevens and the Badgers It's a record called Room Full of Smoke With that band
0: Okay, fantastic Leslie Stevens, this is the song Old Timers on Independence Day Stars fell to the
2: ground when they tore the hotel down Where he and I to go, under a moon, like electric snow, a decade ago, and it was there I confess that we first had a bed to share, with a view of the runway and the airport road, and we'd ride our planes come low. Won't you say, won't you say you're all mine? We'll be together till they call us old timers. And we'll ride our bikes to the fence before the lights and take off on an airline. What the other said the man at the desk with the eyes of lead, bloodshot red winter came and it became less of a game and more like something that couldn't be taught by teachers in school and we found in Say, won't you say? d
0: Leslie Stevens, an artist that I am learning a lot about today, and I hope you are too. That is her song, Old Timers. Good stuff, Leslie. Thank, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Joe.
0: I'm having a wonderful time talking to you. And no one, like, I don't get to talk about songwriting with people very much, and I could do it all day. It's, it's it, my
1: favorite thing. It's my favorite. So it's, it's, it's
0: just about my favorite thing. I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated by the process, how it works, how people get something from... Something you some idea that bubbled up in your head standing in line at the grocery store
1: becomes a thing.
0: Becomes a thing. And it just your if your brain is like mine, like some little someone you'll catch you'll hear somebody say something. Or maybe it just bubbles up into your own mind. And I have to write them down right away. That's the first thing. Boom. Got but it. I have
1: the notebook. Bob Dylan says, yep. always, said, always. Said that's, said once, you it. Know, <laughs> as much of a curse twice. as
0: the smartphone is, now it's like my notepad. Boom, 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 boom. And I lost, I hate to say it, I lost six months' worth of stuff.
1: Oh Bummer.
0: I, I can't even think about it too much because the phone did well, some weird thing. Thank
1: God it was only six months. And it it's just, really not sh- that much. And I,
0: I just decided to let it go into the ether.
1: Yeah, let it go. Because if
0: I, if I obsess about that, I'll just be maudlin for days and days and days. So keep on grinding, keep on committing those ideas down. And I love I love hearing other people say things, And I, you know, language is our trade, it's our, it's our stock. Oh all know?
1: we got, and it's pretty flawed.
0: It is pretty flawed. But that's the beauty of it, though, too. You know, Finding its,
1: ways to make it communicate.
0: Well, There's we, before we said there was beauty in limitations. There's also beauty in imperfection.
1: And language has limitations. And, and
0: entropy, right? I love the concept of writing or, or looking at nature. I spend a lot, a lot of time in nature. I love to hike. I love to go out and climb mountains. And, you know, nature has its own order, but it's not human order. You know, humans, it seems like they will plant trees in a row. flower bed here or, you know, monoculture in our farming you know there's this is we a giant want patterns we want patterns and humans the human brain is like set to find patterns so
1: absolutely that's rhythm
0: And that's rhythm which is you know one major aspect of what we do how we do what we do
1: mountain can't ride a song
0: mountain can't ride a song <laughs> mountain river can't ram. river
1: can sing one birds gonna sing one for you bird but.
0: gonna sing anyway <laughs> anyway
1: there uh, are all these pictures of all these beautiful natural things at Joe's
0: house. that's I hope so.
1: Yosemite and... There
0: are. We've got some Ansel Adams. We've got a Tom Petty poster. We've got a John Coltrane. We've got a U2. But there's uh, lots
1: of nature. I can some, see you love nature. I
0: do. Some original artwork from friends of mine that I, that I know and love. Uh, art is the, the most important thing. People may not know that following me around, but like art is the most important thing to me. And music, it's it's what makes me tick.
1: I agree with you 100% on that. Art you and is,
0: I, Birds of a feather.
1: Art is the The most sacred thing we have
0: it is uh, we're gonna get a beer Wait, we'll, is that we'll,
1: right truth maybe truth I don't know we're gonna have to it's all
0: tied together see I would argue <laughs> art
1: is
2: truth, truth I, w- I would make the is. point that
0: art is the way is, is the, Deep. the the way we as humans process all these other things it's the prism through which we help make, you know satire I, I you know these are very contentious times politically you know and I try not to get into people's arguments I have very strong opinions about things but I try to leave people be as much as I can but I put something on someone's page about I put an Onion article to to, to satirize something that had happened, and they're like, well, why are you putting stuff from a satirical newspaper? I'm like, because satire is exactly how we process these things. I would argue that it's the it's it's the way, it's maybe even the best way, because you know nobody sh- shouting over each other isn't getting anywhere, you know. But look at you know the rise of late night TV. We always had Johnny Carson, we had guys before him, girls too, and now it's like the golden age of that. John Stewart. And his people, you know, his his you know the John Oliver, my personal favorite of the bunch, Colbert, uh, the guy doing, uh, that's how we address these things now. Anyway, I don't want to talk yeah. about that. I want to talk about something else.
1: But, yeah.
0: So you were saying at some point, maybe when we were setting up, that, you know, it feels weird when you're like out in the world, because you have sung on some fairly well-known stuff. And we don't need names when I'm not really into name dropping. It's a big thing in this town. We don't need all that. But it makes you feel kind of odd. And why is that? If it's, if it's you, you know, you know what you sound like.
1: I'm not sure, but it is kind of it feels it feels I don't know, you're like eating dinner and then you hear your yeah. own voice. Do you singing? It's distracting. Well, it pulls go, me out of the conversation. I cannot tell you like I I will I will blank out.
0: So here's a question. Do you I, you I mean were you paid for these? Some of them at least? Some of them. So you can think like, Well look you got paid.
1: It's absolutely I mean
0: I'm a horrible capitalist. Like I'm I'm not good at, at that kind <laughs> uh, of thing. Uh, uh. But that said, if you've been paid to do it, like you can think of nothing else, like, well, hey, look, I get paid to make music. It's yeah. A, it's a beautiful you know, thing.
1: You're just like on a date or something, and then you hear you might hear yourself yeah. in the speakers and you just you wanna say like this is me, but you yeah. can't. I mean, great. Yeah. I, I am really happy to have that problem. To yeah. have had that happen to me, I—that feels really good. It makes me feel like I'm a real artist and a real and a, and a real artist yeah. in the world. And that's really all that I ever wanted when I started out writing do songs. You, do you, and... I'm
0: going to share one story, and I hope this doesn't make me sound like a narcissistic jerk. Okay, I was on vacation in Costa Rica one time, uh-huh. and I do travel with CDs. Like I'll give this given to people, like yeah, because you meet people from all over, and like you never know where that record's going to wind up, yeah. you know. And I do love to share my music. So we we had been at a resort for a few days, me and my buddy, and we were checking out. And I had to go to use the bathroom. It was kind of early in the morning, so nobody else was around. And I went to use the bathroom, and I'm, I'm going to the bathroom, and I hear this song come on, like because it's just a resort, so there's just music playing. And I hear the song come on, like oh, that's pretty cool. I like that. What is that? And it took me a couple seconds to figure out because it was so out of context from my physical world. Right, Chicago is where I was living at the time, so I'm like not even in the states. And I figured out it was my own song. At some point, we had met like the concierge guy for the whole resort. And we got to talking about music and he was really interested in what I did. So at least he seemed so. And he asked for a a CD and I gave him one and didn't think anything else of it because I gave dozens dozens of them away. And for whatever reason, he had put it on the PA system. And I was proud because I've always said that like, I I try to write music that I want to listen to. Not that I sit around listening to my own songs all the time because I certainly don't but I want to think that it was music that I, like I would like to hear
1: yeah so, you you, make, you when you make art you want someone else to appreciate it and
0: yeah and I want them to feel something and i I just thought it was odd in a good happy odd good odd not bad odd that I was like it took me a second I think it was because I was so yeah. far out of out of you're like place. what is
1: that like, that man. that guy's really good well it wasn't
0: even the voice it was mostly Whoa, it was just guitar that it was,
1: guy is... it was it was more oh, wait, like that's me
0: it's more like, hey, that's that's cool guitar tone. And that's a, that's a cool song. Oh, nice tone.
1: Nice He's, in tone, tone. He's in the He's tone zone. He is in the tone <laughs> zone. And then,
0: and there it was. and then you know, <laughs> Onward really, from there.
1: That's really funny. So though. I mean, the fact that that can happen, I definitely relate. So
0: it's similar to your story in some regard, except I yeah. didn't. Well, I guess I got paid a little bit, but you got paid more for your thing. So that's yeah. cool. Keep doing it. You should keep guessing on people's records. It's great. It's so much fun to do that, like adding your flavor to something, someone else's thing. Do you like doing that?
1: I love it. I love getting to sing cuz I really am a writer. I love writing writing's my bliss. Writing is what I enjoy, the songwriting. Mm-hmm. So I became a performer because it was just the only way that anyone in the world was ever going to hear my songs. <laughs> yeah. It's like someone has to go out there and play yeah. them, so it's going to be me. And so because I just been singing for so long that I I, you know, with practice and practice, and then people started asking me, "Hey, would you sing on my record?" Yeah. And so at this point, I've sung, I've sung, on, I don't know, I last count it was like forty or fifty records. That's great. Of other people's records. That's yeah. great.
0: It's Nice work if you can get it. Hey. And you're getting. I it. love
1: that song. I sing. I love singing that at the Dresden room. Holding hands at midnight, neath the starry sky. It's yeah. nice work if you can get it. Do you know that song? I do know that song. That's why I said it.
0: It's it's. It seems like there's two ways to come at that kind of singer thing because there are people mm-hmm. whose voices we know because they are not perfect voices. You got your Tom Petty's of the world, your Tom is of the world. You don't think
1: Tom Petty's voice is perfect?
0: No, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, but it's not what someone who is classic. You look, you studied opera, right? Tom it's Petty not like is a not Disney. He's not going to not gonna play a Disney Pamerai. prince. Yeah, and he's not going to play. A, like, he's not going to play. You know, Gaston or whatever. Right? Well,
1: he's definitely not now.
0: Well. Aww. Don't don't break my heart R. again. R. I. Leslie, Tom, come on. I, I, I'd you. forgotten that he was gone for like five I minutes. I know.
1: There. Me too. Me too. We were. Anyhow, okay. Keep going. Yeah. But like
0: the Tom Waitses of the world, the uh, Lucinda Williams of the world, like people with very distinct voices, yeah. you know, revered. And you know, I would say you know a lot of them are great singers, but they're not what you would call a classically perfect voice. But like, I think to your point, they were probably in the exact same boat. There are writers, and since especially when you're starting out, like it's hard to convince people to sing your stuff. So who's gonna sing it? Who raises your hand? Yeah, I do. I'm you singing sing
1: that. Sing
0: my own song. I'm going my damn song.
1: Sing my own songs.
0: Out the way, I'm gonna sing that song. I want to talk about art. the place of like being a female artist. We kind of okay. touched upon that a little bit, yeah, when we talked about being a female singer because yeah. it's a boys' club still.
1: It's a man's
0: world. It's a man's world. So how? How do you, I mean, this is a dopey, maybe open-ended question, but how do you choose to navigate it?
1: Well, anyone in any marginalized group, I think, feels that they're, doesn't see themselves as, oh, maybe that's not true. I try not to see myself as um, a member of a group. We don't want to play the
0: victim card is maybe another way to say that, right?
1: Yeah, kind of. I don't know. I don't actually. I don't really know what I'm trying to say. I don't see myself as a female artist. I just see myself as an artist.
0: True, but at the end of the day, you still have to operate as a female in this that's, world. That's recording true. studios. You go to a studio. I can count the number of professional yeah. uh, female recording engineers on one hand.
1: Right. That you. That you know. But I know. Yeah. Most of There's, most. There, are, there a a more male and more. Dominate, it's a male-dominated industry, and writing, singing. Engineering it does seem to be very male. It's composing absolutely, I worked for some composers. Yeah. And, um, I, yeah. It's very, it's very much a male-dominated field. I I feel like what, we, yeah. What is that? go on? There
0: there are things. <laughs> well, no, that I feel I like know. there are things that we need to unlearn as a society, and I feel that. The first step of, you know, maybe moving forward as a society and personally as well, and maybe we should stick more intrapersonally, is to l- figure out what you have to unlearn. People are born with, people aren't necessarily born with racist attitudes, but they are born into things like that. They're not born sexist. They are taught to be sexist. Do you follow?
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The, the greatest challenge is not to learn, but to unlearn. Yeah. Here's, here's a story. Sign up. Yeah.
0: I used to work at a music store at one point. And and I this is embarrassing to me now, but it taught me what I had to unlearn. Uh, all dudes rolling in and out all yeah, the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all their girlfriends in tow. Not, didn't, not didn't want to be there. It's palpable; like you can read people's body language. So one day, you know, I'm a friendly guy. I love talking to people, obviously. So one day, I'm there. And I worked in the recording department, so we didn't actually have instruments in my department. So, but I would walk through the guitar department. And I would try to make friends with the people there. And this girl looked like she had, didn't want to be there. Uh, was there with some dudes. Uh, looked like she'd rather be in an insurance seminar. So I walked up and I was just making conversation with her. You know, hey, welcome to so and such a store, and you know, how you doing? And you know, are you here with your boyfriend or whatever? And she was very insulted because she was a musician herself, and she's like, I'm here shopping. I'm looking for this and this. And I, the thing is, in yeah. no way was I
1: implied
0: that she wouldn't or couldn't or any of those things. But I still, there's something I learned that I had to unlearn that.
1: Yeah, you'd seen this pattern repeated again and again, and you made an assumption based on the pattern. And I mean, it's it is, I've been that person at the Guitar Center.
0: Yeah, and I, but I, <laughs> Again, like, I, I, I feel badly about it even today. I mean, I'm a former Whoa. Catholic, so like, I'd carry guilt around like a like a cloak, <laughs> like a lead cloak. Um, but it gives me something to work with. Uh, so I, I don't, I'm not even sure exactly where I want to go this with this. But I, I yeah. read an interview with you talking about this particular topic, and you right. had some very very salient things to say about this.
1: What did I say?
0: Uh, I wish <laughs> I could recall, but it was just I, navigating. <laughs> Well, the maybe. man the male world. You know, okay 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 let me let's come at it from another way. Okay. How many members of your bands in Toto to this point in your life have been female?
1: Well, I two.
0: Okay. Out Just of how many bands?
1: Out of actually, no, that's not true. Four. And there have been four men and four women. Okay. I mean five men, four women.
0: We'd like but, to uh, yeah. Does
1: that prove anything? Does that prove
0: anything? No, no, no. I'm just trying to to spark this part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. It doesn't prove anything one way or another. It just seems like in light of recent news, okay, now this is what made me think of this. Having read the article with you talking about this particular topic and then the the news lately about the Harvey Weinstein nonsense, people pretend people are still somehow surprised, I guess that these sorts of things happen. Well, and as he's women... such
1: an icon and he's really at the top of his field and people don't expect that behavior from someone they admire. But,
0: but then clearly... women, actress after actress after actress now is coming forward. And I think it's just so endemic to the culture that this is just an accepted thing.
1: There's safety in numbers for those women. There's safety in numbers. But
0: Pat's and well, look, yeah, obviously we have double standards in our society about these kinds of things.
1: I don't think anyone wants to be the single whistleblower. Yeah. But then once one person says, hey, listen, this guy offered to handcuff me to his desk, everyone else can say, me too. Yeah. and, And not feel threatened because ultimately I think people are afraid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. You know, and there are men coming forward about this. And I I shouldn't even sound surprised when I say that. Right. um, That are being, you know, sexually harassed by powerful, other powerful men. Because we still have double standards about homosexuality in our culture. It's it's, it's more accepted than it's ever been. What was that guy's name who
1: had all the boy bands? Uh, Don't remember. Ron. um,
0: Don't remember. Don't recall.
1: I can't remember his name, but he, yeah, there is some stuff there.
0: Anyway, I mean, I, I'm not. Maybe, do, yeah. Delete this part of it. The- it was just interesting hearing what you, the things you were saying about it was fascinating to me, and I really wanted to get those opinions. Let's, let's I
1: don't even. I can't remember what I said. I'm sorry that I can't remember. No,
0: no, it's okay. Let's let's come at it from this way. Let, let's let's take it. Let's, let's let's list it back into. There's a way to get at this from the writing perspective. Okay. Writing from a female perspective mm-hmm. should be the same. Could be the same. Do you? feel that you write from a female perspective, or do you just write from your perspective that ends up being female because you are female?
1: I definitely don't think of myself as writing from a female perspective. I just think of myself as writing from yeah. the perspective of a human being. But I have to admit that I notice you know, certain things about my writing that maybe wouldn't be common for yeah. other ah. It's, it's not the tough, sh- tough
0: question. It is. Yeah. T- well, I, I wanted to ask the tough question. And the, there's, a, there's an example. Do you know Cowboy Junkies? Yeah. Margot Timmons, female her. fronted band. Now she's in the band with uh, two of her brothers and then another guy. And there were some hangers on and auxiliary musicians, et cetera, et cetera. The guitar player, Michael Timmons, her brother, writes essentially all the lyrics, I think. Yeah. And that was one of those when I was kind of falling in love with female artists at that right. period in my life. The, those songs seem to be such from such a uniquely female perspective. Now they're sung in her voice, but the the types of things that Michael Timmons was writing about, either he's got a very very keen and astute sense of empathy, or he's just <laughs> randomly good at that kind of thing. And it's I found an that very fascinating.
1: Compassionate person, I I can think of lots of cowboy junkie lyrics right now that do seem like specifically
0: yeah the type of thing that you wouldn't think a man Female. would even notice.
1: Right. And 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 how beautiful that he did.
0: Yeah, and he, and he continues to, as far as I know, they still play. Yeah.
1: And I've definitely written songs from a man's perspective.
0: Yeah. Well, look at Angel from Montgomery, John Prine. Right. Right off the bat, his, you know, he he didn't even bother changing the gender. I am an old woman is the first line of the song. Right? So he's setting that right off the bat, and it's funny how people, in some ways, think that's peculiar, but then not. But then, if it's just a great song, it's a great song. And then Bonnie Raitt, of course, you know, ran with it. Uh, another one, um, Sean Colvin covered, but she did change the gender. She, in every little thing she does, is magic. Which was the Police song when she covered yeah. on her Cover Girl record, changed it to he. Right. So because she know.
1: personalized it for herself.
0: Yeah, I, I guess it's just it's these things are interesting to me. You know, as a writer, how you how you anyone addresses these sure these differences. Yeah,
1: I definitely don't don't feel like it's any different as but you know what would I know? There's nothing more similar to a man than a woman. You know? <laughs>
0: well, I, I mean I always joke but I feel also kind of serious about it. I think women are smarter than men. Mm-hmm. They've had to be because they've had to Cater or raise. I was joked that my mom, like my mom, raised five children and a husband. Yeah, which is a joke, but it's true. My father is not a fully formed emotional human being. I don't think he ever will be. I love him to death, but that's just his thing, man. Anyway, women deal with that the world around. We'd have to beligger that point. Let's yeah. play the last song and we'll get on out of here. What's this last song you've got queued up for that us?
1: Sounds good.
0: Oh, this is the one we were talking about before. You this, say the title. You say it better than I do.
1: This is everybody drinks and drives in heaven.
0: And right off the bat, I want to tell people if you are, this is one of the times you broke the rule.
1: I did, I broke my own rule yeah, there's,
0: there's, a, there's, a, there's a good, bad word in here Or a bad, good word Depending on how you <laughs> look at it So if you have Oh, it's bad If you have sensitive ears If uh, you are offended by bad language Just one that I know of Snuck in there uh, Pause it, fast forward three minutes And then come back Actually, it's like two minutes and ten seconds I think if I, if I got that right in my notes So two minutes Come back, meet us back here in two minutes, alright So Leslie Stevens, the song is Everybody drinks and drives in heaven
2: Everybody drinks and drives in heaven. Yeah, they don't care if you drink and drive in heaven. Mother Mary, Jesus, to Washington and Martin Luther. Everybody drinks and drives in heaven. Most other laws apply. one who have to agree that it's kind of fun if you get a chance to drink and drive in heaven oh and when it rains rain champagne in heaven jack and coke's made with cocaine in heaven when you crash your car and meet your death the angels all have whiskey breath No hangovers in heaven Get hammered and go to bed Wake up feeling like a saint instead Take a shot, go to work in heaven Yes, it's true, you have to work in heaven Yes, you're drunk, but you'll be working up in heaven Someone's got to build the roads. Someone's got to man the toes Mother Mary, Jesus to Washington working up in heaven Oh, and they don't have no device in heaven They don't have no state lines up in heaven No condoms No birth control Cause everybody's dead, you know Driving like a bat out of hell up in heaven Oh yes Everybody gets fucked up And everybody gets a sippy cup Run
0: One last time, that's Leslie Stevens, Los Angeles-based artist with Ben Peeler on the beautiful... Which, which instrument did he play on that? I can't even remember now. He played dobro. Dobro. The dobro, which is another lovely instrument. Love those things. Good player, that guy. And you, too. Thank you so much for sharing your heart, for opening your mind to the ideas and and, and sharing... like. The gnashing of teeth about songwriting. You know, thank you. I hope people got something out of that because I certainly did.
2: Thanks. And it's such
0: a beautiful art form. It's such a wonderful art form, and you do it so very well. So, new record coming out early, sometime next year. Maybe early, maybe mid, but next year. Just the same. Anything different about it? Metal song, dance pop song, K pop song?
1: It's. there is one song on it that has like an electronic feel.
0: Oh, see, there's so gonna be a little be, different. That'll
1: be different, but it's still—it's just like it's definitely still the same genre of music yeah. that I play.
0: But I have a hard time believing it would be anything other than you and what you do, because you know, you're an artist. You know, people—you've got a style. Well, was the
1: cowboy code, you know.
0: It is the cowboy code. All yeah, right, you gotta, so you gotta be thank real. You. you gotta be authentic. So, be. In, let be us know you. when the record comes out, okay? I will. Thanks, Joe. I'll make sure people know about it. So thank you to Leslie Stevens, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The reliable Tony Tone, Loke Piscotti, manages the Independence Day website. Thanks, Loke. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. Wish you'd check them out. They're wonderful. As always, for Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do one thing today, please be good to one another.